1: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
3: Welcome everybody to the last regular season crossover Thursday here on Locked On Dolphins. We have a crossover with Locked On Bills today, an extensive conversation talking about the direction of these two teams, what we should expect in week 17, and more importantly, what the Dolphins can look to do to try to win this football game regardless of whether or not the Buffalo Bills are at full strength or not. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day, because it isn't made for those who play the game. No, no, Pepsi is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching Kyle Krabs, manager of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, and we're going to dive right into this crossover with Locked On Bills and Joe Marino because it is a doozy.
0: Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined now by Kyle Krabs, the host of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. He also does this other show, the Draft Dudes podcast. I heard it's okay uh, if you want to check that out as well. And we're going to get ready for week 17, Bills, Dolphins in Western New York, the 12 and three Bills hosting the 10 and five Miami Dolphins who are in a win and in scenario. In fact, there's also scenarios where they could lose and still get into the postseason. And so, Kyle, this has been a heck of a journey through the 2020 season for the Miami Dolphins. And where I want to start this conversation as we get some perspective here on what's been going on with this football team, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. And we saw this team start with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They handed the keys over to Tua Valoa, the number five overall pick in the draft. And then we saw some situations here recently where Coach Flores took Tagovailoa out of the game and put Ryan Fitzpatrick back in in the fourth quarter of one score games. And Kyle, your audience today is Bills Mafia, and
3: I, I love follow a lot of Bill-
0: <laughs> I follow a lot of Bills Mafia on Twitter and I see the criticisms, right? I see, you know, I really like coach Flores and I think he's got a good thing going here, but I don't really like how he's handling this quarterback situation. So Kyle get us up to speed on what's happening with Tua and why coach Flores is making these decisions.
3: Yeah. So ultimately at the end of the day, there is a tightrope uh, that the dolphins have to walk as it pertains to their quarterback situation and being honest about their team and the prospects of their team. And, uh, Dolphins fans very much feel the same way. There's a, a large subsection that says, leave Tua in, figure out what's happening. Let him, you know, work through these issues or conversely, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the better quarterback to play in a one score game in the fourth quarter, why isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick playing all the time? Um, but for the Dolphins specifically, the conflict is from a physical perspective, Tonga is the more gifted player, and he brings you better accuracy, and he brings you more RPO-type concepts, which the Dolphins have really phased in a lot of throughout the course of the second half of the season since he's been installed into the offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick brings you a larger menu of plays to call from because he's played, this is his seventh year under Chang And This is his 16th year, In the NFL. So inevitably, uh, the Dolphins, they find themselves in not having access to the full playbook. And there's some Dolphins fans even who take exception to why wouldn't you call the same plays for Tua that you're calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick, when the plays that work for Fitzpatrick are the ones that are working the most. And the Dolphins are, are a little bit conservative as far as how they're handling the quarterback situation. They're very deliberate to not set Tua low up to fail. And um, I really feel as though if the Dolphins were 5 and 10, Tua would be out there the entire time. But because the Dolphins are walking the tightrope between trying to win football games and make the postseason and make the playoffs with developing a young rookie quarterback, the end result of that is that they are willing and receptive to making the swap in situations in which Tua Tungvalu is not being effective and pushing the ball vertically down the field. And it seems like safety rotation is something that really plays a lot of games with Tua and it crosses wires at times. And what he sees pre-snap not matching what he sees post-snap, he's not forcing the ball into traffic to which Ryan Fitzpatrick would do at times. And then there's the ball security dynamic that Tua is much more improved than Fitzpatrick in. So there's a lot of variables at play here. Uh, But at the end of the day, the Dolphins are kind of having a chance to have their cake and eat it too, as far as evaluating Tonga Valoa, getting a chance to see how he plays with the players on the roster, identifying what different kinds of players you need going forward versus what you actually have. And you're winning football games and positioning yourself to potentially make the postseason with either a win against Buffalo or any three scenarios in which the Ravens, Colts, or the Browns Cleveland Browns lose on Sunday. So it's it's a lot of different variables. And for the Dolphins, Brian Flores said that himself. Everybody wants to make this decision for us at quarterback without having all the information. And we in the building, we are the ones that have the information. And that's why we're making the decisions that we are.
0: So you mentioned when you were answering the question there about how Miami does not want to set up Tua to fail. And I think in a lot of ways, you and I both agreed when we looked at the the top rookies at quarterback in this year's draft, obviously Burrow going to Cincinnati, Tua going to Miami, and then Herbert going to the Chargers. We both agreed that Tua was set up best for long-term success. Now, things this year got a little dicey with a lot of players not – being available, several wide receivers opted out. They've had tons of injuries at wide receiver with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Running backs have been banged up. I mean, literally, I mean, I I, I don't mean this like sarcastically. Literally, the the Dolphins are down to like third, fourth, fifth string options at wide receiver and running back. Meanwhile, you're starting three rookies on the offensive line. So talk to us about this supporting cast and um, how that maybe is impacting some of the decisions that are going into uh, the quarterback. Situation,
3: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not ideal. And uh, the Devontae Parker saga the last two weeks has been a sore spot for Dolphins fans because Parker, uh, it was reported, before he left the Chiefs game with a hamstring issue. He missed the fourth quarter. The Dolphins without him and Mike Gusecki went out in the four, early in the fourth quarter. They still managed to score 17 points in no huddle against Kansas City Chiefs. So there's a nice source of optimism there. Uh, a report comes out on Saturday before the Patriots game that Devonte Parker is expected to play against new England. Well, we get the inactives time and Devonte Parker is a scratch and it was, Oh, okay. Well, you know, they are also going to the new England game without Jakeem grant and Mike Kasecki who were scratches and, and were questionable to play and, and did, did not dress for that game. In addition to, as you mentioned, Albert Wilson opting out now and Alan Hearns opting out and Preston Williams on IR and, uh, the, a slew of issues for the dolphins that have since been resolved with miles Gaskin coming back and, and his reappearance. it has really helped Miami's offense in that regard. Uh, and then you get to this past weekend against the Raiders and Parker's the only one of the guys who was questionable that didn't dress against new England, who didn't dress against the Raiders. And he was the one who was reported to be so close to playing that it was reported by Adam Schefter and uh, ESPN's uh, Miami dolphins beat reporter that they were ready to go or Parker was ready to go and he was going to play. So missing Parker really changes the dynamics of the skill group, because what you're left with uh, is a bunch of non-dynamic outside threats who don't live with a ton of physicality. Uh, Their slot options are guys who were playing college quarterback last year in Limbo and junior Malcolm Perry. And you've got Matt Collins, who is a career special teams guy who's playing your ex receiver role and, and working on the outside and, you can see it when you watch the tape. It's it's there's a lack of early wins at the line of scrimmage, and that's a big roadblock for Tua Tungaloa, in that what he was so used to at Alabama, and we've talked a couple times with him in press conferences about getting comfortable with what open looks like in the NFL. Well, he's missing his best players and they're not getting any separation, which is not what he's used to. So that's kind of the big hurdle and roadblock for for Tua and and the barriers that the skill group has kind of built in in, as far as his effectiveness at times this season.
0: Kyle, when I look at this Miami Dolphins team in terms of statistics, two things that really, really, really pop out. Number one is that the Dolphins have the number one scoring defense in the NFL, limiting opponents to 18.8 points per game. They also are outstanding at taking away the football. They have the number one turnover differential in the NFL. They're plus 11. So the strength of this team, I think we can both agree, is is the defense as well as special teams is outstanding for mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins. But focusing in on the defense, what have you learned about this team this year? I mean, obviously, Xavier Howard's been terrific. He gets a turnover. It seems like every game he's a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. But what's the story here with this unit that um, has come a long way under Coach Flores?
3: Yeah, well, it's it really makes you feel good about whenever they make the decision to really invest in a group, they're going to get results out of it because that was the Dolphins' defense this past offseason. They invested super heavy in with signing former Buffalo Bill Shaq Lawson, uh, Emmanuel Agba, Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones. You know, that that's almost half your starters. They drafted Raquan Davis in the second round despite not having a running back and everybody's expecting him to go running back. They drafted him at 56 overall. So that's half of your starting defense is investments that you made this past off season. And uh, that doesn't even mention Elan and Roberts, who was brought in on a one-year deal is kind of a prove it deal. And he's taken over the Raquel McMillan role as a starting Mike linebacker uh, as well. So they really went heavy after defense. And it makes sense when you think about the identity of the team. And one thing that it, it feels like is a, a perception issue for dolphins fans is I don't get the sense that Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins are looking to win games 42 to seven. They are more than happy to kind of go with the ebbs and flows of a game, play stout bend, but don't break defense be a team that's really dialed into turnovers week in and week out year in and year out and make sure that those turnovers, those rapid change of possessions that set up short fields uh, that buy you an extra possession at the end of a half, taking advantage of those game situations to let those be the deciding factors in football games. And you look at the script of how the Dolphins have typically won this year, and that's exactly how it's gone. And that was what made the Raiders win so exciting for me as it pertains to the Dolphins is it was one of the first times this season that the Dolphins were chasing a game for the entirety of the game. And they still managed a way to find a way to win it late. Because you had the sense of oh, Raiders go up 7 nothing. Now the Dolphins, they, they can't really tee off on Derek Carr. Uh, they, they can't really heat him up, put a lot of pressure on him, and force him into making more mistakes and bad decisions as the game kind of works itself out. So that was, that was a big maturation win, in my opinion, for the Dolphins. But th- their script is they're going to let you play undisciplined and beat yourself and let those mistakes and errors be the deciding factors in football games. The NFL regular season is coming to a close, and if you're looking to get in on some betting action, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook
0: experts. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Sounds like what we saw for 20 years in, in New England with uh, yes. with Coach Belichick and Tom Brady. In fact, I, I talked about that with the Bills playing the Patriots last week. That was one of my my messages on on our last podcast before that game happened. And I said, you, you don't give them anything extra because they've literally made a dynasty out of letting other teams beat themselves and just playing good situational football. And you add some dynamic playmakers to the mix and all of a sudden you really got something. Kyle, this team's 10 and five. They're going to be no worse than 10 and six this year. They control their own destiny to go to the playoffs. Last year, this team was a a team that many thought could go. zero and 16. Mm -hmm. And, and one, I mean, honestly, one of the worst rosters we've seen things have turned around very quickly and things are going to get even better with, Two first round picks, two second round picks. Right now, the Dolphins own the third pick in the draft, courtesy of the Houston Texans. Why? Well, you know, it's still a reasonable amount of cap space as well, and, and a whole lot of players coming back. So, where is this team in its life cycle? I mean, is it ahead of the curve based on where you thought it would be? I thought this team could flirt with 500 this year. Obviously, they've done a lot better than that, and, and maybe even exceeding expectations for many.
3: You know who this reminds me of? this team and the path that they're on, it reminds me of the San Francisco 49ers with Kyle Shanahan in which they spent their first two seasons. Granted it was only one for Miami in which they really struggled to win. And then San Francisco coming into year three has the number two pick in the draft. They picked Nick Bosa. Lo and behold, the switch flips, they get healthy play at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is more dynamic. Shanahan gets a, a chance to showcase a healthy team. And that team makes a run to the Super Bowl and loses to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and and you just kind of think about the parallels of new head coach, depri- talent deprived roster, uh, pretty ambitious as far as their work to bring in talent, um, the sudden turnaround and, and switch that's been flipped. I I would not sit here and I say I expect the Dolphins to win a playoff game this year. I think if they get certain teams, if they draw the Indianapolis Colts in the first round. I feel okay about going and playing in a dome as a, a warm weather team playing in January, going to a dome and playing Phillip rivers. And I feel fairly good about those matchups because I think the dolphins can at least control the line of scrimmage. Do I think they're poised and ready to make a deep postseason run? No, but it, it feels to me a little bit like that San Francisco rebuild and how it was struggles, high draft pick courtesy of, 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 luck or whatever you want to call it. And then that can be a catalyst for them to really jumpstart and make a big leap uh, because Kyle Shanahan's teams were playing really good football in November and December, right? They, they always started slow. I think he had one win before December in his first two seasons and Brian Flores, he's three and 10 as the head coach of the Miami dolphins in September and October. And he's 12 and six in November and December.
0: So, yeah, look, I think, I think the bills and dolphins are very well positioned to be at the top of this division for a while. Yeah. And so with that said, Kyle, when I teased this to, to locked bills listeners yesterday, something I said that I couldn't wait to ask you about was just kind of getting your opinion on the bills. I know that you, you and I are both, we cover the bills, you know, you cover the dolphins, but we, we have a really good feel for the entire NFL and we scout players and, and we do very similar work. What do you think of this team, Kyle? I, I mean, twelve and three. Josh Allen playing out of his mind. Uh, what's what's your um, what's your gauge on uh, what you think this Bills team is capable of?
3: They're the real deal, and um, I think the thing that I'm most encouraged by in looking at the Bills uh, through a, a Dolphins lens is I see also see a lot of parallels between the Bills rebuild and what the Dolphins have elected to do as far as bringing in a defensive minded CEO style head coach and how they chose to handle the first year, of their rebuild and not attacking the quarterback position and, and kind of stripping down some of the, the players off their roster. And there are pages taken out of the bills rebuild that the Dolphins have implemented over the course of the first two years of the Brian Flores, Chris Greer era. So to see that be the end result and to know that these are two teams that are really focused on discipline and technique and player development and and knowing that what Buffalo looks like now is what Miami could look like two years from now as far as what a finished product is and bringing in a young quarterback and then steadily building the skill players around him. and uh, I admire the way that the Buffalo Bills have gone about their rebuild and there's very little question uh, that aside of some Notable holes on the roster, and, and now players that you're in a little bit further into your rebuild, players that you have to worry about either continuing to keep under contract or subsequently replacing. Um, this is this is a team that I expect to be playing several rounds of the playoffs, and I know that's a big deal for Buffalo because they haven't won a game a playoff game since 1995. Well, Miami hasn't won a playoff game since 2000, so we're not that far ahead of you. So, you know that, that and knowing that these builds are, are mirroring one another in so many different ways. Uh, I'm excited to see if they choose to continue to follow the path the bills are on because the bills are a team that can make noise. And, and the question is now getting that level of play from Josh Allen year over year. And if you see that and that's sustainable and he survives, whenever Brian Dable gets hired and goes and is a head coach somewhere else. And Josh Allen has retained enough of that. I thought it was Brian. Interesting. Brian Flores was talking to the bills media And he said watching Josh Allen play quarterback looks mentally like what he knows Brian Dable to be. And it's like Brian Dable is playing quarterback in an NFL quarterback's body as far as his mind and his eye for the game. So I don't think the value of Dable should be understated. Uh, But if Josh Allen can retain that and the Bills find a way to continue that chemistry once Dable's time is up and he gets a head coaching gig – they're going to be a problem for a really long time. And Josh Allen will be able to maintain that level of play year over year. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good. It blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On and you can save 20% off your f- next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Bills, continuing this week's 17 Locked On Crossover Series series. And our, I guess we'll call you friends to the north. You're not the Patriots, so <laughs> our friends to the north, twelve and three Buffalo Bills. Uh, Joe, there's a lot of Dolphins fans interested in uh, the Bills' approach to this football game, because the Dolphins, you, you understand, Buffalo's won seven out of the last ten games that these two teams have played. The Dolphins are at a win and in scenario; they can still get into the playoffs with a loss, uh, but they would need some some notable help. And all three teams, according to Bet Online, are 10 point underdogs that the Dolphins would or 10 point favorites in the games that the Dolphins would need to see a team lose. And Cleveland is favored by 10 because the, the Steelers are not playing Ben Roethlisberger. The Colts are favored by two touchdowns over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Baltimore Ravens are favored by 13 over the Cincinnati Bengals. So one of those teams is a uh, two touchdown favorite and they lose, then the Dolphins can still get in with a loss. But uh, the bills are kind of locked in. They're either going to be the two seed or the three seed. And Sean McDermott's kind of already said, we have a plan on how we're going to choose to handle week 17. As far as, do you play your starters? Do you not play your starters? What's the expectation from somebody who's as plugged in as anybody could be to Buffalo on what McDermott is saying, what they've done in the past and how those things may give us an idea of what they're going to do this weekend.
0: It's very interesting to me, Kyle. If I try to read into this, you know, you said it, the Bills can be either the two seed or the three seed. And the only other team that's in play here is Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's already announced that they're going to start Mason Rudolph at quarterback and rest a few more players. So what you have to ask yourself is what's what's the benefit here, right? What's the benefit of being the two versus the three seed? And how do you risk – how do you factor in the uh, the potential – risk factor that comes with playing your starters and and potentially getting somebody hurt. For me, I I look at two different things. Number one, if you're not the two seed, then Pittsburgh is. Can we be honest about something here? Do we really think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win in the playoffs? No, I don't think that team's playing well. I think Ben Roethlisberger is extremely limited. Their, Their run game is, is very, very poor. Their offensive line is struggling. I don't, they don't have any linebackers. I don't see them winning in the playoffs. So worst case scenario, you wind up being the three seed. As soon as Pittsburgh loses in the first round, you have all the benefits of being the number two seed. So that's something that you have to think about. Now, one thing that Coach McDermott said earlier in the season is that it, it, after the Bills came out of the bye against the uh, the Arizona Cardinals and, and um, they played the Chargers and, and Coach McDermott went out of his way to say that, hey, you never know exactly what you're going to get coming out of the bye, and while it's not exactly the same situation you do have a situation where your team's off they're away from what their normal routine is and then you need them to come back and play at a high level in the playoffs and I I don't know if coach McDermott's comfortable with risking the team losing its momentum obviously they've they've won a ton of games in a row they're winning in prime time Uh, so it's a lot to to balance but I think at the end of the day uh, that you're going to see some of the bill starters I don't think they're going to play the entire time. McDermott had similar messaging last year uh, about this, where the only thing that could really come into play was seating. Um, but, you know, they weren't going to have a, a home game or anything like that. So it was just what wild card spot they were going to draw. Um, so I think he's got a lot to think about, but I, I think we're going to see a, a limited amount of time from the Bill starters, enough to keep them in the routine, but not enough to expose them to injury.
3: And correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you end up being the three, and everything stays chalk, you still don't have to worry about playing the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional route. You will, you know, if Pittsburgh wins mm-hmm. and Buffalo wins and Kansas City wins, then, then Buffalo, you know, you're going to Pittsburgh, which is as short of a travel distance as you can possibly get as far as you know, your cold weather team going to a southern colder weather team. So you don't have to worry about the weather being anything that would be nothing you would see in Buffalo to begin with. And uh, with the dynamics of of crowds in the year 2020 slash the 2021 playoffs, uh, you don't have to worry about home field advantage to that much of a degree either. So, you know, that's kind of been as we've been on Locked All Dolphins exploring, you know, what is the real benefit to going all in and trying to win this game? The only thing you come away with is, well, it's trying to ruin the Dolphins season. And it doesn't feel like that would be how Buffalo would choose to handle their business.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Um, And you got to think that coach Tomlin with Pittsburgh, he's thinking the same thing like, Hey, yeah, we can be the two or the three are we're a tired football team, right? I mean, they really haven't had a bye week this year. They've uh, won their first 11 games, lost their last three, probably should have lost their last four the rest for them matters more than anything, right. To, to really try to take advantage of one last shot with Ben Roethlisberger, right. This, this window is really sh- rapidly closing here with Pittsburgh and their chance to win with Ben Roethlisberger for them. The best thing they can do is try to be healthy and, and, and as fresh as possible going into the postseason to seize this opportunity. And for them, you know, worst case scenario, they have to go play in Buffalo and that's a trip that they've already made this year and it's short. So I think both, Tomlin and McDermott, a couple of uh, William and Mary guys, I think they're kind of seeing this the same way.
3: So, Joe, I wanted to ask you specifically about Buffalo, because while we don't know what their personnel is going to look like on Sunday, what we do know is that the Bills are one of the hottest teams in football right now, and they're, they're firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. And I wanted to ask you specifically about the defense, because it was an area that was a sore spot for this team early in the year. And they've really kind of turned the corner and started playing better again. So what has changed for Buffalo defensively that has allowed them to get to this point where they're mirroring a lot of what they looked like defensively last
0: year? I think three things. Number one, perhaps we underrated what didn't come back on defense. The the Bills lost Shaq Lawson. They lost Jordan Phillips. Lorenzo Alexander retired. Kevin Johnson, a key piece of the secondary. He is not back this year. Um, So I think kind of losing those pieces while simultaneously introducing Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, AJ Epinesa, you got Harrison Phillips back in the lineup, Star Tulele opts out, you know, you're you're figuring out what to do with Josh Norman, AJ Klein is here. So you had a lot of new pieces on defense. And I think we underrated what was going to go into onboarding those players and getting them up to speed. Number two, the team got healthy. Earlier this season, I mean, right in week one, Tremaine Edmonds and, and Matt Milano, the two uh, linebackers that play every snap for the bills. And it's a linebacker centric defense. Those guys were injured and Matt Milano literally just last week got to the point where he was playing hundred percent of the snaps again, after spending time on IR and Tremaine Edmonds is, is, you know, he wound up playing through his injury, but his shoulder wasn't right. And you knew it all year long. So you had those injuries, you know, Trey white missed a game, Levi Wallace and Josh Norman, they had time on injured reserve. Micah Hyde missed some time, so you had all these different injuries while you're trying to fit all these new pieces together. So I f- think they finally hit that point where they have everybody they want. They know how to use everyone, and they know how to play together. And I think the last thing that probably deserves some credit is just the mental side of things. Where if you're if you're used to playing good defense and suddenly you're not, I think it, it you're pressing, you're not playing loose, you're 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 pointing fingers, you're you're just not playing to the caliber that you expect. And I think it, it it takes away from your confidence and that ability to play with an edge. And I think we saw that earlier in the season for the bills. And as they started to have some success, I think it has bred more success because they're playing to the level that they know they can, they're playing confident. They're playing with that edge again. So I think they refound their identity. They figured out how to use their new, their pieces. and, And they ultimately got healthy.
3: So what is offensively? Uh, anytime you watch the Bills, they are gashing teams through the air. If you had to describe a defensive approach that could slow down Buffalo to the degree in which it, it gave you a reasonable chance to win, you know, Miami and Buffalo played last time to a 31 28 final score. So no, nobody's expecting to hold Buffalo with how dynamic they are offensively to, to under 20 points right now. But if you had to describe the blueprint, what does that look like? How how do you slow a Buffalo team coming into this game that is is setting franchise records left and right for offensive
0: production? Do three things. I would play zone-heavy coverage. I think Josh Allen can beat zone and man coverage. He's proven that this year. But I still think zone coverage is your best chance against Josh Allen. But that comes with two things, and, and these are maybe some – Maybe some kind of aggressive ideas and, and different ideas, but this is what I would do if I was crafting a game plan to stop Josh Allen in this Bills offense. I would send pressure from Josh Allen's backside. I would make sure that it, my blitz packages were heavy coming off of the, uh, the left side of the offense. But you have to do one other thing. You have to have a very good contained player at your left defense and po- at defensive end position. And I'll, I'm going to go to a crazy l- length here. I think you should be so focused on containing and not letting Josh Allen roll to his right that your left defensive end should not even try to tackle Josh Allen. Don't do it. Don't try. He wants you to get there and he wants to face pin your face mask into the ground. Like, don't try to tackle him. Just contain him. Just try to bottle him up and try to let that backside pursuit catch up. And, you know, for as good as Josh Allen is, and, and, and a lot of the growth that he's made, I still think that he can be a little bit careless with the way he carries a football. And so I think when you, Bottle him up on on his front side, and you send some pressure from his backside. You you create those opportunities that maybe you're, you, the ball can come loose. And so um, I think zone coverage, being super ridiculously deliberate about containing him on his front side, and then sending pressure on his back backside. I think those got to be the three principles to your game plan if you're going to try to uh, you know stop this this Bills offense.
3: So Joe, uh, both of these two teams hopeful and optimistic to make the postseason. As we said, there's, there are scenarios in which Buffalo wins in which we see both Miami and Buffalo in the postseason. The only way these two teams see each other again is if Buffalo wins. And Miami would ultimately end up as the seven seed in that scenario. And that is a possibility. Uh, but there's also a possibility that these two teams see each other again in the divisional round in Buffalo, where... Uh, A scenario in which if Pittsburgh manages to beat Cleveland in week 17 with Mason Rudolph, the Bills, they end up sitting their starters and the Dolphins win the game. Or alternatively, let's not act like the Dolphins aren't a good football team. The Dolphins could theoretically win this game, even if Buffalo started all their starters. Uh, I wouldn't like their chances as much, but it's not unreasonable with how good their defense has played this year. And it would have Miami as the five seed going to Tennessee. Buffalo is the three seed playing the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts is the seven seed going to Pittsburgh. And if Miami and Indianapolis were to win, which I do not think are unreasonable outcomes to see if Indianapolis who blew a 17 point second athlete to Pittsburgh in week 16 and Buffalo takes care of business, we could be talking about a divisional clash. Is this not like the mid (laughs) nineties, all over again. Like, like we haven't had these kinds of conversations with these two franchises since you and I were toddlers.
0: Dude. Yeah. Our conversations are more like who's going to get the higher draft pick, right? That's what we've been talking about since we've known each other. Uh, So it's, it's definitely a a new, a new day in in the AFC East. And I think while we're both competitive and we want our teams to to be on top, there's, we can find a lot of common ground in, in, in being happy that not only are the New England Patriots not the AFC East Division champions, they've clinched a losing season this year, and it's about damn time, right? It's about damn time. Uh, and so you think about what they're facing; they have questions at quarterback. I think their their entire offensive skill position is are, are lacking. Um, you know the questions about Belichick and how long he's going to be there. You know I I don't know that they're going to get this thing turned around quickly, and so yeah, I think I think this '90s rivalry is is definitely about to be restored here as we um, enter this new chapter of uh, the AFC East being fun once again.
3: And by the way, the jets have won their last two football games. So we won't be seeing Trevor Lawrence in the AFC East.
0: He's not going to be around. Yeah. So that was kind of the thing, right? I mean, that was, that was something that I talked about with obviously on my podcast. I'm sure you did as well. When you look at the jets, I mean, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, a ton of draft capital with the Jamal Adams trade, right? Two first round picks this year and next year. And, um, obviously trevor lawrence and a ton of uh salary cap space to play with and so you thought they could really accelerate things and now they're you know now they're thinking well if we can maybe run it back with sam darnold and get enough around him and get a new coach you know maybe we can we can piece this thing together meanwhile the bills and dolphins really kind of have their their core nucleus set they got their coach they got their quarterback and you know they're just at different points in their life cycle and so this could be uh these could be some fun, fun crossover discussions uh, for the foreseeable future.
3: Yeah, I just hope to win a freaking game against you guys, man. We got I, my most popular show this season was the Bills post game.
0: Might I be was, a little bit my fault. That might would, be my fault.
3: It, it, I I recorded that the moment the Bills won the game, so it was right off the heels of the game, and uh, it, it's kind of become like an infamous show for. I'm hoping for no repeat. And at the end of the day, knowing what the seasons has become for the dolphins uh, I, I'm fairly certain the perspective will be a little bit calmer and you know a 10 win season and, and the dolphins showing the way that they have and, and getting this rivalry back on track because the, these two teams for 15, 20 years have kind of just been like also rans and taken for granted. And, and they are two great fan bases. And I, I think they get clowned on a lot uh, because the teams have not been good, but, Uh, As you and I both know, as proud podcasts who are performing well amongst the ranks of the Locked On Network, we have great fan bases. And and I'm hoping we get a lot more games like this so that at the end of the day, Buffalo and Miami can be the two teams that are the cream of the crop in the AFC East moving forward and and hopefully play some all-time epics in the days and years to come.
2: Hey, Prime members.